0: the bloody elbow podcast network is moving that's right we're moving from soundcloud and youtube to substack it will still be available through your current itunes spotify and stitcher subscriptions but the main home of the bloody elbow podcast network will now be on substack while most of our audio content will remain free We'll be asking listeners to please get a paid subscription to support the shows, which are now ad-free. Please give us your email, and we'll send you notices and summaries of every new episode. Become a paid subscriber and get bonus segments only available to those who've pledged their support. Sign up at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com today. Bloody Elbow presents the MMA Vivisection, the show that gives you a comprehensive breakdown and expert analysis of all the fights happening on this weekend's UFC card. Here are your hosts, Zane Simon and Connor Rebush.
1: Hey, everybody, welcome back to the MMA Vivisection with me, Zane Simon, and my co host, as always, Connor Rebush. We are here once again talking about this week's UFC card going down. At the AT&T Center in San Antonio, Texas, which means that we are absolutely primed for some uh, commission fuckery, I would assume.
2: Fuckery is the word that was springing to mind, yes.
1: Yeah, we we will get some horrible judging or some weird officiating or some other just absolutely wild technical flub because the Texas commission is always busted
2: although um you know there were some uh weird decisions made in the ha- uh, on the part of whatever the british commission was uh last week too so
1: yeah although the brit i mean brit- britain doesn't have a commission so it's the ufc bringing their mini nevada that was the U. Was- wait how are like cage warriors events
2: judged and stuff they don't have regulations for mma
1: they have they they pay, I believe they pay a uh NGO regulating body to uh really yeah to, to handle the event.
2: Jeez, that is a decaying empire. They're just leaving all that money on the table. Mm-hmm. They're outsourcing fight regulation. I know yeah. what a scam it is. <laughs> it's such a good way to rake in cash. Brazil does right,
1: well, the same thing. Wow. A lot of that, I mean, that's the the thing with the UFC. Most most countries they travel to outside the U.S. do not have athletic commissions the way we think of them.
2: Well, hey, USA, USA, <laughs> and the Texas Commission is a shining beacon of uh, just how uh, yep. successful oh. and practical that kind of body can be.
1: Yeah. All right, so we're looking at a uh, fight night card here that uh, it's pretty good it's pretty good it's it's okay it's got a great if it had a main
2: event like the ones we were seeing before it would be not that great
1: yeah the main event really make really shines and then at least all the way up and down the card you've got dot interesting fighters dotted throughout Mm -hmm. and it's a fight night card so expectations aren't that high you know Mm -hmm.
2: yeah it's got a couple of strong matchups it's got a lot of matchups that seem perfectly fine
1: and you know what it doesn't have What's that? Any heavyweight or light heavyweight fights.
2: Yeah. And I think that's a big reason why I look at this and I'm like, yeah, you know what? This could be a lot worse. Yeah. Yeah. It could be a lot heavier and a lot worse.
1: Yeah. A lot of little guys on this event and that is I, mostly a good thing.
2: I don't know what the deal was. They just front loaded the year with all of their big fat slobs. Uh-huh. And uh, now even the cards that are like objectively pretty forgettable, just look way stronger for (laughs) it this this really could be a lot worse i don't think those like the first four weeks of the year or whatever it was was there a single fight as interesting as like perez cop you know what i mean just like just one cool flyweight fight thrown in there and you're like oh you know what i I might watch this
1: yeah i hear you
2: so anyway main event is is a super solid and that's what really matters with a fight night
1: Yeah, so let's talk about this main event. Marlon Vera, Corey Sandhagen. And uh, not only is it a really cool fight, but it's one of my favorite kinds of cool fights, which is two guys that are fantastic finishers and impossible to finish. Mm. So not only... And who don't get tired. Yeah. So not only is this fight almost certainly going to be wild action for every round, but it is almost certainly going to see all five rounds as well.
2: Yeah. And And if if it it, doesn't, it'll be a big deal.
1: Yeah. And if it doesn't, it'll be a big deal. And that makes it really hard to call, honestly, Mm because, you know, my, my gut is five rounds. Uh, If Corey Sandhagen is going to see every round, he is probably going to do enough work to beat Marlon Vera. Yeah. But uh, we have also seen like Marlon Vera more than ever lately in in fights like he had against Rob Font and Dominic Cruz. Like he can be losing the aggregate moments of the round and he's just hurting people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
2: the, the stats on that Rob Font fight are ludicrous.
1: Yeah. Total
2: strikes is 271 to 159. And the guy who won was not the one who put out 271 strikes.
1: Yeah. And there was no question that he won either. Yeah. There three was knockdowns. No... Yeah.
2: Uh, and I think he hurt him more than he knocked him down. He, I think he hurt him in yeah. almost every round.
1: Yeah. It was... You got you got 49, 46s from two judges, and that mm-hmm. that feels the most right. Recalling that fight, it was yeah.
2: Not- and then the, the cruise fight was much the same. He was yeah. it just didn't last as long, but yeah, like seemed to be getting almost overwhelmed at a lot of the early portions. Mm-hmm. Was still really dropping most of the minutes, even after he warmed up. But he just like kept touching Cruz and almost destroying him with single strikes. The weird thing is. It feels to me like Cheeto Vera has come full circle mm-hmm, mm-hmm. stylistically. It's just that like now he knows it's it's I, I, I don't know if this is good or not because <laughs> like he was a guy who started way too slow. Yeah. And then, you know, he had to like put his foot on the gas like desperately late in the fight to get himself back into it. And he's always been a, a very dangerous and, di- and dyna- dynamic fighter. You know, I, I can recall saying way back when he was fought like John Lineker, I was like, I think Chido Vera is like a power hitter. He just like doesn't have the confidence.
3: Uh huh.
2: And then he went through this sort of what now feels like the middle period of his career in the UFC, where he was genuinely getting a lot more consistently aggressive.
3: Uh huh.
2: Um yeah and just like you know, Frankie signs, Noel and hernandez, um Andre Ewell, these fights. he was really kind of putting his foot on the gas from the jump, um and forcing himself to get warmed up sooner than he would have. and now he has reached this new stage where he is like a little scrawny Joel Romero who is just like once again taking off massive portions of the fight at the beginning only now he doesn't even seem that desperate to get himself back into it. But now he's got the death touch. So it's like he doesn't feel the pressure. It doesn't feel like he needs to. And I can't quite tell like just how sustainable that is. Mm -hmm. Rob Font and Dominic Cruz are not the most durable men in the sport.
1: Not anymore.
2: Yeah. Right. Rob Font is... You know, that was after the Jose Aldo fight, right?
1: Yeah, I believe Like, right so. after. Yeah.
2: So, like, literally, Rob Fawn had lost that exact same fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, only five months before.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Not even. Uh, and then Dominic Cruz, notably much, much more fragile than he ever was in his prime and much easier to hit. Yeah. These are both guys who can put up a lot of volume. But will definitely get hurt and lose rounds on single strikes. And I just don't know how much the rest of the division aligns with that. And if, I just don't know if Cheeto knows that. Yeah. Like, he wasn't even fighting exactly like this just before. Like, the Frankie Edgar fight, the Davy Grant fight, the Jose Aldo fight, they were not exactly like this. This is like a new level of a guy who is almost anti winning rounds. Mhm. He really reminds you of Yoel Romero. You're yeah. Like this should not
1: work. I remember you making that comparison like a couple of years ago, and me just yeah. I, I was kind of like, is that really? I guess I never think of Marlon Brea that way, and now it's just like, okay, yeah, no. This Look is, at him. <laughs> this is very Yoel Romero.
2: Yeah. It should not work. It is an anti-process, anti-round winning. It is just going in there with this apparently like impenetrable, un- unbreakable belief that you are going to hurt the guy badly enough to, if not finish him, then just win rounds with single moments.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And it's not even like he's in there, like Yoel, he's just like passively absorbing information most of the time, too.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: He's not in there creating these moments in a very proactive way. He's not fainting and, like, drawing out a guy's reactions. He's kind of, like, letting them tee off on him yeah, to pick up those patterns. It should not work, but it has worked remarkably well in his last several fights.
1: And to be fair to Yoel Romero, too, or to, you know, this comparison, it didn't really work for Yoel Romero at the highest level either. Yeah, true. There was a point where even being an incredible athlete, just the best athlete, one of the best athletes we've ever seen in MMA. Yes. He got to, you know, title contention fights and other guys just won. They were just able to not get hurt badly enough to lose, basically.
2: Sort of in any division, what really separates the best of the best from the rest is durability. Mm -hmm. Is the ability to make mistakes and survive them. And uh, yeah, like Corey Sandhagen gets hurt, Mm -hmm. got dropped by Pyotr Jan staggered on one other occasion. He got he got staggered briefly in that last fight with Song Yadong, which he yep. otherwise looked fantastic in. But uh, I mean, he almost got finished way at the beginning of his UFC career by Yuri Alcantara. Mm-hmm. But he is nonetheless very durable. He has insanely good conditioning. He recovers quickly and well. And um, otherwise, it, it's just basically like it feels like a, a heavily upgraded souped up version of almost this exact style matchup that Cheeto has been winning.
1: Yeah. Which is right? why it makes it so interesting because we I don't think Corey Sandhang is going to get knocked out, but we have been we have seen him get hurt regularly. Yeah. And getting hurt it it could be enough to lose him rounds. You know?
2: Yeah. It could. Yeah. But he's harder to hurt than Rob he, Font and Dominic Cruz.
1: He is definitely
2: harder. He's certainly him. much harder to keep hurting in the same way. Yeah. Because he, Corey Sandhagen is an impressively thoughtful and aware, adaptable fighter. Um, you know, Otherwise, yeah, he's like the long, lanky guy with like better defense than the other guys. And high output, arguably like more flexible in that high output. Mm hmm. And uh seems to just be sort of constantly still adding to his game and 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 fine tuning his game um so yeah, my instinct is this is when it stops working, like I think Corey sandhagen is is cheeto's uh Robert Whitaker if we're sticking to the yeah. u l comparison, and uh I suppose it could be Whitaker Romero too, yeah I, I suppose it depends on whether or not Cheeto misses weight <laughs> or whatever just, didn't that didn't he miss weight in that fight? Or my am I, am I misremembering. Romero. Yeah. Uh, I thought no, there was something where he put on that performance, but he wasn't going to win the title even
1: if. He... Yeah, let me see. He did miss weight uh, notably a couple of times. Yeah, he uh, when he fought Whitaker the second time, he missed weight.
3: Right.
2: So that brilliant performance, all on the uh, the one the one that most people think he did win, all on the back of him missing weight. So if Cheeto misses weight, he's a lock. Yeah. Otherwise, I, I am going to stick with my instincts and say uh, that cutoff point of how how effective this style can be against how durable an opponent, how skilled and adaptable an opponent. I think it's – the bar is obviously above Rob Font and Dominic Cruz, but I think it's under Corey Sandhagen.
1: You know what would be uh, just really hilariously poetic? What? Is if Marlon Vera wins this fight and then goes on to lose to Sean O'Malley? <laughs> <laughs>
2: that, would, that would. Yeah, you know what? I wouldn't even be that mad at it. I was no, say I wouldn't would be that so bad. bad.
1: But yeah. it would be, it would be really funny. You know, it would just kill him inside to. Yeah. To like find Sean O'Malley now at the top of the division, like what if Sean O'Malley wins the title and Marlon Marlon Vera gets to challenge for a title shot and just gets beat. It's like the first time he
2: gets knocked out too. He just gets yeah. fucking slept by Sean O'Malley. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. <laughs> it would be heartbreaking, but it would be funny. It would be really
1: funny. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I... I have to pick Sandhagen too. I... Vera is... He's scary right now in a way that really makes me want to pick him. Mm-hmm. But it hasn't been that long since he lost to Jose Aldo, and even to Song Yadong. And Sandhagen is dangerous and dynamic enough that, you know, like Rob Font is pretty. Uh, he, he's he's pretty predictable in like what he's gonna bring to you the yeah, kinds of exchanges very predictable. And Dominic yeah. Cruz ultimately is as well. Yeah. Dominic Cruz is especially too. like credit to Vera. If you're, if you're walking Dominic Cruz down and backing him up, you can be almost absolutely sure that Cruz will set his feet and try to back you off at multiple yeah. points.
2: It is, And he's got, he varies his entries, but at a yeah. certain point you kind of get a feel for his rhythm and
1: yeah. Um and Sandhagen is a lot harder to track down and predict in that kind of way. Um the the lost I know you know, whatever you want to argue about it, the lost DJ Dillashaw is is a concern because Dillashaw did just kind of go out there and push forward and do enough to 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 fool the judges at the very least yeah but most of what he did
2: offensively was clinch wrestling
1: yeah clinch wrestling and that's vera will clinch a lot but it's always in the service of immediate violence yeah so yeah i i am gonna stick with sandhagen too it it, it's a cool fight though and it's a fight great You know, I can easily see where where we'd be talking about, like, you know, Sandhagen winning, I don't know, 20 out of 25 minutes of this fight Mm -hmm. and losing definitively two rounds and having one other round where you're like, yeah, he kind of got dinged up in that round too, you know, Mm -hmm. could easily be that way. So I, I I expect Vera to be dangerous all the way through, and I expect Sandhagen to be elusive all the way through, and I think he can probably make that elusiveness enough to win. But, man, it's, it's a great booking. It's a great booking because these guys, they don't get knocked out, and mm-hmm. they don't slow down, and... They have enough variety to hurt people in all sorts of ways. So, I love to see it. Odds Fantastic. On the, yeah. Made made for five rounds.
3: hmm
1: Absolutely. Uh, odds on the bout. Sandhagen over at minus one sixty three is currently at minus one seventy two. So, gamblers are liking him in general. Vera opened at. Oh my gosh. I really – I do need (laughs) – somebody's going to give me that, like, fightodds.io or whatever it was website. I need the aggregate lines. That's the only thing I want. I don't want the –
2: Folks, if you know of a site that aggregates betting lines and presents them with a little graph that allows you to track the change in the line since it opened, that is what we want.
1: That is what we want. Vera opened at plus 143, dropped to plus 129, is currently up at plus 141. So – yeah, those those are starting small or starting close, but slowly getting wider um, towards Sandhagen there. That brings us to a woman's bantamweight bout, Holly Holm versus Yana Santos. And um,
2: you know what? I, the, the, the MMA has finally convinced me that we need to put an end to the tradition of women taking their husband's names. Too confusing. Yeah, that's right. I never had this issue with the male fighters. I, I was like, who the, f- who is Yana Santos? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We had, we had uh, Veronica Hardy last yeah. week. We got yeah. Joanne Wood, which is the worst. Cause it's like almost <laughs> the name you started with enough right. ladies have some respect for yourselves. Keep your maiden names. <laughs>
1: uh All right, that that rant aside, Connor, Connor's women. You need to do you need to do it this way. Rant aside.
2: Yeah, women, respect yourselves and listen to me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That aside, uh, I mean, you just gotta pick Holly home because Yana Santos. She has she looks more comfortable and more aggressive with her striking. Than she used to. Uh, you know that was a big deal that they made in her fight with Irene Aldana. like mm-hmm. so she was coming out and she was throwing kicks and she was throwing one twos. and it was like, oh, she's actually just you know being willing to sit on things at range mm-hmm. and uh, try and kickbox for prolonged stretches instead of just desperately pushing for the clinch all the time. But the moment Aldana started answering back and dinging her up at all, then that game just, you know, way went straight back there. She was right yeah. back to, I need to clinch desperately to control this fight. Yeah. And that is like her-
2: arguably the one phase in which Holly Holm is still pretty good.
1: Yeah.
2: it so just I don't think Holly Holm has been looking too hot.
1: No, in, no. In quite no. some time. She is a step slower, and her range kickboxing has never been well managed in terms of distance and defensive posture. So her being slower now makes her strikes much easier to slip and counter and see. She's a much less dominant uh, force at range, even if you you could ever even really call her dominant. Yeah, she wasn't. She wasn't.
2: Um, she has always thrown an awful lot of bullshit.
1: Yeah. And now it's it's much easier, for I think, for opponents to just say, kind of see the bullshit for what it is. Yeah. There was a long time where it
2: confused a lot of the people she fought. She's finally slow enough that her striking looks like what it is, which is essentially um, Matt Riddle.
3: Yeah.
2: Matt Riddle, Sean Pearson level kickboxing technique
1: and but yeah she's still a very you know she is the wall install queen and she's incredible still incredibly hard to hurt yeah and yana santos is not hard to hurt uh even if she even if she's maybe hard to knock out uh she's uh, and I'm not even necessarily that sure of that, Aspen Ladd and Irene Aldana and Chris Cyborg, not that Chris Cyborg is anything to judge by, but she's been put out by a couple of fighters now. She's just, you know, she's not that hard to bust up, to get her nose bleeding, to get her eye swelling, mm-hmm. to, to get her staggered, and Holm is. Holm has always been a difficult fighter to... To really make it look like she's losing, you mm-hmm. know? So, yeah, I, I got to just pick Holly Holm to hold her on the fence for three rounds and for Yana Kanitsuka to not be able to make, do anything that makes it look like she's won the fight. God.
2: It just sounds like such a blast.
1: <laughs> I know. <laughs> I just
2: can't wait to see it. Um... Yeah, I guess I agree. I mean, I don't think that uh, – the the problem is, like, if Holly Holm was the kickboxer that her incredibly committed fan base seems to think she is, mm-hmm. then, like, Santos's fragility might be more of an issue. I think it's less the physical and more just her own need for clinching. It, yeah. Also, all this may be besides the point because Holly wants to clinch people these days. Like, yeah. Uh she can feel that her striking is not having the effect it used to have. Yep. That it's the same leaf blower bullshit, but it's it is much slower and just therefore a lot less convincing. Like nobody's really worried about running into it. Mm-hmm. Um not that they necessarily should have been before, like
1: <laughs> but if, if you walk will... right on to a Holly Home right onto Holly Home, she could count ca- has she had the occasional cross counter that was when,
2: just when like, you walk into her punches? Absolutely. That's, yeah. when she, that's always been when she, the only time she's able to hurt somebody with her hands. Yeah. Um, it's just that like, you don't have to like walk face first into the pocket <laughs> to, to try to like penetrate the, the leaf blower force field. You, that you surrounds tell that to
1: you like this guy or Gianna Santos, because I do not think that that yeah. is a thing that she knows.
2: Yeah. Holly Holmes' entire career of success is a bit of an indictment on like the sort of level of technical development in uh, women's striking sports
3: mm-hmm.
2: uh, across the board and in her weight classes in particular. Yeah. Um which has definitely like risen in both MMA and boxing mm-hmm. since Holly Holmes real heyday as a top yeah. boxer. Um anyway, all this is besides the point. What Santos is going to look for clinches, Home is absolutely going to look for clinches. One way or the other, they are going to end up against the fence, and the one aspect of uh, Holly Holmes' physicality that does not has not decayed at all is her strength. Yeah. She's strong as hell, and, you know, God help her. She can't uh, convert any of those clinches into, like, takedowns or lasting round control, but she will stand there and knee you in the thigh for as yep. long as it takes. And thank God this is not the main event. Yeah. So exactly. as long as it takes will only be 15 minutes.
1: Yeah, you got to pick home. Santos, she really would have to prove that she can win a fight like this.
2: It would be cool. I mean, it would be a big scalp. Yeah. Um, you know, finally ousting a just a divisional mainstay out of the out of the top. But um, yeah, it's one of those upsets you need to see before you can expect it. Yeah. Just don't think she has the the confidence in herself to. To yeah. uh, to not get sucked into a Holly Holm fight.
1: Yep. Uh, Holm is a big favorite, opened at Boobity Boo, some kind of number, and is currently opened at minus 200 and is currently minus 238. Iana Santos opened at plus 150, is currently at plus 193. So started close, only getting wider. And, yeah, I'm not surprised that if that line just keeps getting wider, um, Mm -hmm. Santos is just not the kind of threat that Holly Holm tends to lose to. Yeah. You know, she loses to people that can really consistently punch hard. And and just big physical monsters in general. Yeah.
2: Like even Jermaine Durand me. Is a, a big physical presence in the cage. Yeah. Couldn't this guy is tall, but she's willowy. Yeah.
1: So it, uh, yeah, it just doesn't feel like a, a fight where there's anything to lean on for a Santos pick other than just Holly Holm being old. Yeah. All right. That brings us to a featherweight bout. Nate Landwehr, Austin Lingo, and, um, What
2: did this used to be? Ricardo Hamosh
1: Uh, uh, versus Lingo
2: was supposed to be. Okay. But last week or the week before and Hamosh missed weight by a staggering like eight, eight or nine pounds.
1: Yeah. Oh, and it was supposed to be Alex Caceres versus Nate Landwehr. Oh, okay. Which, man, I can stand losing Hamosh Lingo. Yeah. But Caceres Landwehr is such a cooler fight. That sounds like a blast. Yeah, this is one of those things where it's just like, you know what, credit to Landwehr for taking this fight, because it's not really a, it's a very winnable fight for him, and it's not really a good idea to take it.
2: Yeah, I, I, I fully agree. Um, Honestly, like, if not only is it is it a way, way different dynamic from fighting someone like Caceres, mm-hmm. Um. But I think with Landware style in particular, Lingo is actually gonna have some chances here.
1: Yeah, Landware is very much if if you have a puncher's chance, yeah. Nate Landware will give you
2: every chance you need. Yeah. And like Lingo's Lingo's real problem is that he's just not a very good athlete. Yeah. He's not fast. He's but he definitely hits pretty hard.
1: hmm He settles on it and he knows what he wants. He's very much a targeted i am looking at your chin i am willing to take the damage it takes to get there yeah i am going to brawl and bring it and just try to you know try to hit you as hard as i can and be fearless about it
2: which and he he's a coachable fighter like he, he takes adjustments from his corner pretty well um you know i think i can't recall if it was um Maybe that fight with Luis Saldana, but like yeah. he was he was responding to uh, Saif Saud's instructions really well and and uh, really like actually making decisions to keep himself in the fight and not just get uh, overwhelmed by somebody who's definitely a much better athlete than him.
1: Yeah, and who um, thought, like a lot of other people have had trouble with Luis Saldana that I wouldn't have expected. You know, Saldanya's mm-hmm. He's weirdly difficult to pin down because he's so he, he's so happy to be on his back foot. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and Landwehr is like a brawler. Yep. So, like, just sort of uh, allowing Lingo to get pocket exchanges, he's definitely going to get hit clean by him. Uh-huh. He's definitely not going to make very good decisions for his own part, like... I think Land Landwehr is capable of being being a pretty clever fighter, but he really seems high on his own supply lately. Like, yeah, um, maybe if this was in the Apex, is it?
1: Uh, no, this is in Texas.
2: Remember, See? it that's be- right in Texas. Yeah, if this was in the Apex, maybe Landwehr would make better decisions
1: because
2: mm-hmm. it would be quiet. It's going to be bloodthirsty Texans. So he is absolutely. I mean, he the the number of ludicrously bad decisions he made in that Onama fight. Yeah. Just because he was. I mean, credit to him is because he was having a blast and it you know was an incredible fight. But um, yeah, I'm still gonna pick him. Uh He's a better athlete. He's super duper tough. Um, but it, it is honestly a more forgiving matchup for Lingo than the one with Hamush was. Yeah. And arguably a tougher matchup for Landwehr than Caceres was in some ways. Um, It's just that he really should be able to blow Lingo out of the water with sheer physicality.
1: It it is definitely one of those things I say. It's a a credit to him for taking this fight because I I don't think it's a very smart fight to take. Like it doesn't get you anything to beat Austin Lingo. Yeah, definitely not. And the way Landwehr fights, Lingo will definitely have a chance to win. Yeah. The, the big thing I, that has me picking Landwehr here still, despite that warning, is that I think Landwehr, or I think Lingo, has really thrived on the fact that opponents at the Uf, in the UFC that he's faced, and like especially like somebody like Saldana, didn't want to brawl with him.
2: True. Yeah.
1: Like Saldana really just let Lingo come forward and pick the kind of exchange he wanted. And as long as Lingo was willing to eat the shots coming at him, he was always going to get a chance to step forward and swing land where uh, he can be backed up in spots, but he is much more likely to just meet Lingo head on with pressure for pressure Mm -hmm. and being the better athlete. I think that's much more likely to allow him to push Lingo to the cage and slow him down that way, and take away a lot of his ability to brawl. You know. Yeah. Lingo
2: is the one who's from Texas, though. Oh, well, there you go. So he might he might warg out and uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, pull pull land where it's thrown out with his teeth or something. <laughs> they 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 sense each other's presences, Texans. You know. Yeah,
3: yeah. No.
2: They feed off of that. I've heard as much. That and brisket.
1: Yeah. Potentially
2: <laughs> with no beans.
1: Oh, some Lord. Psychos. All right. Yeah, I, so I, I honestly think that Landwehr, like, the kind of brawls he's going to initiate, yeah, he's going to get clipped at some point, but I don't think he's just going to let, he's not going to do what Saldana did and just let Lingo have a chance to take yeah. rounds by by being a bully, Landwehr is much more likely to push you push you back and try to be the bully himself. Yeah. And if he point. really is the better, stronger athlete here, that should work for him. Mm-hmm.
2: He's gonna make his physicality a more of a, an ever-present threat.
1: Yeah. Odds on the fight. Lingo is the underdog, opened at plus 250, currently down at plus 184. Landwehr opening at minus 300, currently at p- minus 230. Yeah, I'm not surprised that line is getting closer. Nate Landwehr at minus 300 odds should be a uh sh- should feel like a a big opportunity to a lot of gamblers, I would assume, because mm-hmm. he is he is not the kind of fighter who is a safe pick against anyone, you know. Yeah. If uh, if 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 Julian Arosa is flying knee flying kneeing you cold, and Herbert Burns is too, like yeah, you're getting Julian Arosaed
2: by Julian Arosa.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This is not somebody who should be a minus 300 favorite over anyone. No,
2: he is not a reliable fighter.
1: Yeah. A lot of fun. Oh yeah. All right, that brings us to a woman's flyweight bout: Andrea Lee, Macy Barber. Ooh. And um, I'm
2: not groaning because this isn't like a, a good matchup. Yeah. It it is. Yeah, it is. Um, I just don't know what to make of either of these women.
1: Yeah. You Andrea, mean- uh, is this is this me or you? This is me, but go ahead.
2: Oh, I'm so sorry. No, please oh. you
1: go, Okay. Go, go. I was going to say th- to me, this is a fight where I watched the tape and even watching the tape of like. Andrea Lee losing at times. Mm-hmm. I still, I, I watched Macy Barber and the way Macy Barber wins, I'm like, Andrea Lee should be able to win this fight. She's big and strong. She is just very simply a much more technical striker with a much, these days, a much more fluid combination striking game. Mm-hmm. She has really tightened up that part of her game a lot. And she can be a functional, uh you know, top control wrestler too. But even in the midst of that, it really, like, Vivi Araujo just went out there and broke her. Yeah. She just put pressure on, was faster. Araujo's a cleaner puncher than Barber. Um, But, like, Lee started that fight looking great. And a couple bad exchanges really just took it away from her. And the big thing was that... um for as much as her combination striking has improved, and I think her conditioning and all that, Lee is always going to be a foot slow fighter. Yeah. And she's kind of
2: everything slow. I mean,
1: she's yeah. She's her hand speed. Her her hand speed looks like it has sharpened up a little with her technique getting cleaner. Yeah. But she may not. St- she still wasn't as fast as a Rousey punch for punch. Um. And being being foot slow, being a little bit of everything slow, she's still a very easy fighter to hit and to catch to catch out of position. And when she starts getting, you know, if if the fight can get pulled away from her in those moments, if if she if she starts getting hurt or if her opponent starts to control her and if it's not just a kickboxing match which is where lee can often recover and sort of uh find her technique again and if go one for one and be effective mm-hmm. if if the fight starts going any other way and gets pulled away from her in any other way then she has always been able to cr- she it's always been you know she's always been a fighter that can crumble for as good as she can be on top of somebody getting a takedown she can also just get terribly trapped under an opponent being taken down Mm -hmm. or just put on the fence and not really know how to defend and take herself off the cage. And Macy Barber, there's just, you know, she she has recaptured and refound, I think, lately, her assertive bullying. And, um.
2: Yeah, but she also, like, sucks at everything. Yeah, I know. This is the problem with Macy Barber, is that as much as I have liked the sort of, the the, the process in her recent fights, like, I I love her just making people clinch with her.
3: Yeah.
2: I think it's a very good, uh a crude but extremely like resourceful way of just saying I'm really big and strong. I hit hard and I can only do any of these things accurately when I'm holding on to you. Uh-huh. Just run at people and press them against the fence. Yeah. Good move. Yeah. Unless- everything else, everything else is a, is technically a shit show.
1: Yeah. That's why I say it when I'm watching tape, even when I see the mistakes that, uh, that Lee makes, I'm still like, gosh, she could just beat Barber if she's just too big to be bullied. She could just beat Barber, but I think she is too bully a bull. I think it's too much of a situation where Barber just rushes at her and puts her on the fence and starts landing elbows and just starts taking the fight away from her. Lee will fade out of it. She will not recapture momentum in that kind of fight yeah. in the way that she would if Barbara was going to go out there and go one for one and like, oh, yeah, let's just have a kickboxing match. Then, yeah, I, I absolutely think Lee can win that fight. But I, I would be shocked if Barbara wanted to maintain it.
2: She also made some just really bad decisions under the pressure that Araujo was putting her uh, putting on her. Like, so that, that was such a whiplash fight from Andrea Lee that, that Araujo fight after looking easily the best I've ever seen her against Cynthia Calvillo. Yeah, Right. Like her, her technique had sharpened up, not just her technique, but her understanding of how to put techniques together Yep, She was in there using her jab, and if not all, then many of the wonderful ways a jab can be used was setting things up, was keeping Calvillo at bay, was, was stopping her uh, when she was coming forward, was countering her with it, uh, and was building really nice combinations off of it. Mm-hmm. And then she goes in there against Arujo, and yeah, she, she hurts her with a jab and then a head kick. Yep. Um. And then you know like it starts to get swarmed it gets taken down and then in round 2 it's like all right you're you're at least you're off the ground now you know what you have to avoid so let's go back to jabs and try to set up some of those kicks and she does that for about 30 seconds and then she shoots on like a like a Mateusz Gamrot style low low single, low single which Mateusz Gamrot makes that work really for one reason more than anything else. He's fast as hell. Uh That is not the takedown you want to go. It is literally the longest distance from your striking stance to even connecting to the the first stage of the takedown that you could possibly create. Uh Terrible decision. After getting swamped on the ground, that was the more concerning thing even than just her sort of um, cause even before that, a Ar- Rojo had, had overwhelmed her with, um, just sort of saying, well, I've already been hurt, whatever she got in her face and was just much faster.
1: Yeah. Just punching could, her to the body. Just, yeah. You know, just like she her got Grosso top, fight, just like her Grosso fight. Like
2: yeah. she could at least trade shots with her and she liked that better than just being stuck on the end of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but then uh, you know, that that's not that shocking, but then Lee just making horribly bad decisions uh, because of that pressure. Yeah. And it just made me think of um, that's sort of just the thing that has always beaten Andrea Lee.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a reason that Roxanne Mottaferri has won both of their fights, and it was that Mottaferri would just, you know, swarm forward, wouldn't let up. Yeah. And people who just
2: bully her, and yeah, um, yeah, she just can't keep him at bay, and then she, because of that, she she doesn't have like a a reliable plan B. She, mm-hmm. I guess it's the wrestling, but but she's just um,
1: vulnerable on, on the defensive, and she can't shoot exactly. off the back foot.
2: Yeah, exactly. Unless she can complete those takedowns, yeah, and she, she she can't shoot once she's put under the pressure. So I think I'm inclined to agree. It's just this could so easily be a fight where Macy Barber just flops around thinking she's a kickboxer and Lee just jabs the shit out of her. Yeah, no, (laughs) it's Macy Barber's kickboxing is really, really poor.
1: The opportunity is right there for Barber to, for Lee to just kind of show up, pivot, just, Keep her, keep away from the cage and, you know, meet Barbara physically in open space and push her off Yeah, and have success. But she, I, I just don't think it's going to happen.
2: Yeah. Honestly. The only thing Barbara has shown in her recent fights is a willingness to just make people deal with her physicality. Yeah. Make them deal with her athleticism and her strength and just grab a hold of them and 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 throw them around. She's not even a good wrestler. Like no. She's just strong and yep. confident. But uh yeah, I guess I guess that's enough to pick her.
1: Lee is the underdog here opened at plus one sixty five, dropped plus one fifty two, currently up at plus two thirteen. So that line trending hard away from her in the past couple of days. Barber opening at minus 190, currently down at minus 268 after being at minus 204 just a couple days ago. So, yeah, that line swinging wide. Um, You know, you got to be cautious of Barber as too big a favorite because, you know, like she got to hold Alexa Grasso up against the cage a lot too, and Grasso just not being willing to fade and not being willing to go away meant that Grasso won that fight.
2: You know? So. Yeah. The other thing about Macy Barber that is very reliable is that uh, even if things aren't going well, she is going to go ballistic in the third round. Yeah, true. That is a consistent pattern with her, so yeah, I just think there's enough reason to pick her.
1: Yep. Alright, that brings us to a flyweight bout. Alex Perez Manel Cop and uh yeah, this is Perez is in a really fascinating place right now that makes this fight very hard to call.
2: I'm not sure that's how he would describe it.
1: Yeah, it's probably not how
2: he would describe if you're, it. If your favorite color is gray, look at Alex Perez's topology page. Yeah. This man has had, I'm going to count, going back to his last win, he has had nine fights canceled. Yep. Some of them have been the opponent withdrawing. At least half of them have been him getting injured or withdrawing. And in the midst of all this, two two losses. Two crushing first round losses.
1: Uncle Creepy retired, so, like, this is, you know, Perez had to take the mantle.
2: Yeah, honestly, that is very much what it feels like. Just, like, an incredibly unfortunate run. In the middle of which all Perez has gotten to display is his already, like, well-known tendency to be a bully who crumbles when somebody just just gives it right back to him.
1: Yep. That makes fighting Manel Cop uh, mm-hmm. not a good proposition. That's the feeling I have. Especially coming off that David Dvorak fight with Manel Cop. Yeah. Because Dvorak did not crumble to Manel Cop. No, Dvorak is awesome. Yeah, Dvorak is awesome. He's a lot he's of fun.
2: And a, he, he's a beast. He's very, very tough and, and, and has an
1: iron will. Yeah, and he went out and he took Mantle Cop down right away and was just like, okay, I'm gonna, you know what? I am going to be the technical guy and assert myself. I'm not gonna go away. I'm gonna be better, more technical than you and just drain your will out of this fight. And he had zero success draining any of cop's will yeah like cop was just like okay well the moment i get up i am going to fuck every (laughs) bit of you up or (laughs) ever you will get nothing it is exactly what you want to see out of a guy like cop who's so dedicated to like patient pressure countering just being like well the moment i have any room at all I am going to be so confident that I can hurt you, that there is absolutely no way that I won't assert my game.
3: Yeah.
1: And it worked. And against Alex Perez, it seems very likely to work as well. Because when Perez is, he is such an assist, insistent, I think this is really kind of what I I realized watching this, is he's such an insistent, aggressive fighter. He's got a great style to, to get mm-hmm. to the, the level he got Mm -hmm. he's got a bullying wrestling game he's got a uh solid boxing kickboxing game that he'll pressure with he puts a lot of strikes together he hits takedowns he's really got like this classic sort of flyweight wrestle boxer style and he even threw a bunch of low kicks in there yeah he's a great low kicker too but it all depends on people getting cowed by his bullying because he's going to give like having that kind of style means he's going to give people a lot of opportunities to to get to him with their own technique yeah you know it's not a clean defensive style it is a swarming uh aggressive i bet you can't handle this style and top level athletes can handle it and when they can handle it they find ways to hurt him really quickly you know, he's very much the kind of fast starter who is throwing himself into the teeth of his opponent's offense from the beginning. And uh yeah, cop is he's not a dude you want to be throwing yourself into the teeth of his offense. You know. Yeah. Just too devastating.
2: Yeah, I mean this this is really like for me a a, a gut pick more than anything. Like I, I just, um, I just think Perez has has obviously been for pretty much his entire career a guy with pretty like brittle confidence. Mm-hmm. Like for as good as he can look, the man has been finished in the first round at least five times,
1: and all by da- dangerous, hard hitting or fast acting athletes, like guys who are just instantly dangerous. And yeah, they will instantly finish him.
2: But it's like every kind of finish too. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: People are choking him out, people are arm barring him, people are knocking him out. Um he just, you know, they're they're clubbing subbing him a lot of these times like um yeah, it's just like he he needs to like put the pace on you immediately and build on you. Um or he just kind of gets wiped out.
1: Yeah, because he's he's like I say, he's just kind of throwing himself right into yeah. the offensive power of his opponent. And he's saying, I bet you'll be overwhelmed before you can hurt me. And if they're not if the opponent's not a great athlete, that works. Yeah. You know, it, it's worked a lot for him. But against good high level technical athletes, it's also just, you know, yeah, throwing it, yourself on to the throwing yourself violently onto a spear basically.
2: Yeah, and it seems like more than a um like getting caught cold kind of problem. Yeah, like a lot of these are submissions because like the fight just instantly goes against Perez. It, it, the, the the problem seems to be mental more than anything. Mm-hmm. Like he he crumbles. Yeah. Um he cannot deal with the the fact that the opponent doesn't just instantly wilt and and agree to let him pressure them um yep. that's the really troubling thing and then in the, again these the, these last two instances of exactly that pattern uh frankly that pattern coming out quicker than it has even in a lot of the other first round finishes in the midst of all these like cancellations and injuries and illnesses the guy's 31 years old never before in his career as far as i can tell has he had a spate like this yeah i just uh, have zero faith until i see it in uh, perez and it could happen you know he could turn a corner sure. he could come back he could just get lucky i mean cop himself can be a very inconsistent fighter
1: yeah i mean cop is a low volume pressure counter fighter he's basically just walking on to you daring you to do stuff and a lot of people can and do like I think yeah david dvorak just went out and took him down yeah you know? and maybe
2: this because of that this is the kind of matchup where it's just like a the right uh flip of the coin where. Perez has to go for a takedown immediately and maybe he gets it. Yeah. And that just sets him in good uh, mental stead for the rest of the fight. But um I don't know, man. Yeah, I thought I thought that cop performance against Dvorak was pretty impressive.
1: It was. It was exactly the kind of thing you want to see from Cop if you're ever gonna think of him as a title contender, which is just yeah. somebody who you know, you can take as many you can take as many tools away from him as you want, but the moment he gets one back, he's gonna hurt you with it.
3: Yeah,
2: and he and it was the right kind of like, you know, arrogance can go one way or the other with fighters. Mm-hmm. A certain kind of it is required of elite competitors. Yeah. And the fact that he was like Dvorak again, very tough fighter, super well rounded, a thought a thinking fighter. Like uh Dvorak is not an easy guy to just look good against. Yeah. And Cobb was just disdainful mm-hmm. of, every, of every success Dvorak had. He was like, This is fake. Yeah. This, you're not going to win. This isn't, you know, okay, I guess you got one. Good for you. And then he goes back to beating his ass. Yeah. Um. That is the kind of arrogance that you would like to see over somebody who is, uh, you know, in their head still thinking they're going to make a title run. That is not the kind of arrogance Alex Perez has in the cage. No. He he far too quickly becomes a please don't hurt me.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so, yeah, I, I I have to take Manel Cop. I think this is still an interesting matchup because I'm still invested in Alex Perez. Yeah. When he's on, he's a great fighter, and I would love to see him recover. It's just that uh, I, I don't have a reason to think he will yet.
1: And this version of Cop Two is fun as hell. Like, oh, absolutely, watching fighters who have that attitude and get to exercise—it's like it's a very, you know, it's a very prime Robbie Lawler kind of attitude yeah. to have. Yeah. And that is fun as hell to watch.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's still a very interesting matchup. A lot of questions being asked and answered here. Mm-hmm. but in terms of making a prediction there is really only one fighter I think I could possibly pick.
1: Cop opened at minus 225. Interesting that interesting this line is getting a lot tighter. He was at two, minus 216 a couple of days ago and is now at minus 185. Uh, uh Perez opened at you opened at plus 190 and he's currently dropped down to plus 151. So that lo- that line is getting tighter. Um, I mean, I know Paris has had a lot of success, so I can see why. And COP has had some big setbacks, so I can see why that would exist.
2: If and anything, I, you'd think their recent momentum, though,
1: knowing yeah, Paris, you'd think
2: it would be wider.
1: Yeah, because you know, Pantoja and Nicolau, those losses for COP, they they don't look bad mm-hmm. in, in retrospect,
2: and uh. I mean cop lost to one of the same dudes, or rather Perez
1: yeah. lost to one of the same dudes in his last fight. Yeah, and faster and more decisively. Yeah. And uh the guys that that uh all the guys, in fact, that Alex Perez has beaten now at this point are gone. Not not one of them are in the UFC yeah. anymore. They are all gone.
2: Just, yeah, I mean there just aren't any relevant wins to look at in the in, in basically in his whole UFC career at the moment. Yeah. Eric Shelton, Jose Torres, Mark De La Rosa, Jordan Espinosa, Jussie, For, Jussie Formiga, uh, and Carl's John de Tomas. I don't even remember who that man is. Yeah. And he has he has lost to the same level of competition that has beaten Cop, but his he has essentially zero meaningful wins uh, as far as the current UFC landscape is concerned.
1: And it's it's also worth remembering like worth seeing too that when you're looking at this like you really have to go back to the Mark Della Rosa fight to get a a look at how Perez even manages a whole fight anymore. Yeah. Cuz the the Espinosa, the Formiga, the Figueredo, the Pante- like they not only were they first round finishes but they were all just sort of like you know, they, they 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 almost feel like fluky first round finishes, whether yeah. it's for Perez or against him. It doesn't feel like, oh, yeah, this is just a replicable thing that Perez is going to produce every time out.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The feeling I have now is that Perez may you may look back on Perez as a flyweight contender in the UFC and feel like it was kind of a flash in the pan.
1: Yeah. All right, that brings us to our final bout of the main card. Chidi and Albert Durayev. And um it's not a bad booking. Uh sure. Duraev can ask questions, and Jekawani is probably always going to have to answer. Basically, just like, what if somebody tries to wrestle you a bunch really hard? Uh-huh. Um But the other parts of Durayev's game are so wide open that, like, it's hard for me to bank on him winning much in the UFC at all. Anybody who's dangerous against Albert Durayev, I am going to have difficulty picking Albert Durayev. Yeah. Because his striking is a mess and he likes to do it. You know, yeah, like that's like you go back not just to the Buckley win or the Buckley loss, rather, but to the Kapillov win as well, Darriaev spent that whole first round standing, yeah, against Roman Kapillov, and he spent most of the Buckley fight I mean he he yeah, he never got Buckley down, but he spent most of that fight trying to just kickbox with Joaquin Buckley. It yeah. wasn't even a like oh he he shot a bunch and he just couldn't ever get him now. He did shoot uh let me see how many actual takedowns he attempted in that. It's probably more than I think it was. Um He shot 9 times. So yeah, and apparently got two but he spent a lot like a lot of those shots were just bad shots. Mm-hmm. And so they, they didn't even feel like real takedown attempts. They sh- were way, way too far out. He would get in, he'd get hit, he would just back off. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't the dedicated hard wrestling game of somebody who is absolutely just thinking the only way I the only thing I can do right now is wrestle and and f- force this person to wrestle until they get tired. Mm hmm. And if that's going to be the case against Njikawani, then I just got to pick Njikawani.
3: Yeah,
2: I I think I I don't I don't know what what the deal is with Duryev. I think he's just kind of an awkward athlete. Yeah. More than anything, I think I think his real problem is just a physical ceiling, because. To be honest, like if you look not just for the results, but for what he's trying to do. You know, the guy has some ideas. Yeah. He went in there against Kopolov and he's like trying to jab the Southpaw. Mm-hmm. He's trying to go body head. Um, he's trying to like set up his takedowns. And then when he, him, he commits to something, it's just very slow. Yeah. And his reactions to things are very slow. To the point mm-hmm. where like Kopolov hits him with the first kick of the fight and it just tears him off his feet.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um he, and, and for the same reason
1: He's very surprised. I think it probably it's probably that he has to put a lot of focus into his striking to get it done. Yeah. So it's really one of those things where, like, when he's striking, he's just not thinking about anything else.
2: Yeah, so he gets countered a lot. His shots come from, like, awkward uh, long ranges, which is why they yeah. look so bad and sloppy. Um, yeah, like, I, th- I think he's in there trying, but he doesn't have, like, the necessary like ironclad process to to getting to his good ranges and getting to his strengths that would overcome sort of he, he just sort of gets lost in a fight where he cannot compete at the same speed and level as his opponents. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the only real concern is that like Chidi and Jaquani is like. You want to talk about uh, you want to talk about Durev. Um, being a, a an ineffective striker, but liking to do it. Yeah. And Jaquani like will just engage people on the ground
1: when they're out grappling and out wrestling him. It's true. This
2: has a long been a problem for him in his
1: career. That he and he and his brother both really got into that idea of like, oh, yeah. you want to take me down? Well, I'm dangerous off my back. So and
2: he and he is, you know, yeah. like it's not like he never wins those fights. It's not like he never gets to gets uh, sweeps and never catches submissions
1: yeah he, he got um, Todorovic
2: often uh-huh well you know um but yeah he will just like it, it this these are sort of like two fighters who just who are prone to letting their opponents sort of dictate the shape of the fight yeah but Njaquani is like more dangerous yeah so that's why I'm gonna pick him
1: He's he's done really well too to really focus and target when people are shooting in on him. Yeah. With reactive strikes. Yeah, it's true. It, I mean, it makes him perhaps more prone to get taken down by somebody shooting through. Yeah. Uh, his strikes. But, I don't think Durov has that kind of shot. Yeah, he's really good at like, oh, you're. I see you leaning in on me. Well, here's a knee, and it is perfectly placed. Yeah. And it's hard not to think of uh, Durayev's – what really wrecked the fight for Durayev, which was a a, shot, a low shot from too far out where uh, Buckley actually kicked him square in the head mm-hmm. as he was ducking down. And, you know, like you look at that and you look at the the fight and Jaquani just lost to Gregory Rodriguez – there's a point where Gregory Rodriguez shoots in and just eats a knee hard mm-hmm. that nearly KOs him. Mhm. And yeah, I just, you know, Dariah, yeah. maybe maybe he gets the top control and he just can ground and pound and out of there. But he's such, he he seems like such a like volume bully on the ground, not just a Oh, I've got you down, and I'm gonna lock up something up and finish things. Yeah. That I have to assume. I'm I'm much more on the feeling that Njikwani will get chances to get up and reset and hurt Durayev again. And uh, in both fights, Buckley and Kapalov, Durayev also really not only you know you talk about him getting like spun around on a low kick and stuff like that. His eyes got busted up in both fights really badly too. Like. Mm. He just gets damaged, you know. When when stuff hits him, he's he's just not braced for it at all. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I just don't think he he just can't react quickly enough. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the thing. I I think Chidi is just on a he he's uh, he's an athletic -er. cheatier. Um, he's he's on a higher athletic tier than Duryev. He's his his game is just designed to be more dangerous. Like he is in there throwing kill shots all the time. And if that's the case and you're looking at a matchup between two guys who sort of – two aimless fighters strategically who try to win fights moment to moment. Yeah. going to go with the guy who's like proven to be super dangerous moment to moment. Yeah. That's really the broad the broad strokes of the matchup to me.
1: Pretty much. And yeah, if, if Drive can just like ground him out for a win, I can't be that shocked. And Jaquani's yeah. low output power kickboxing style with a willingness to guard grapple is always going to be ripe for somebody to just hold him down. So. Can't be shocked if Njaquani loses, but I got to favor him just in in a general sense. Yep. Uh, Njikwani is the favorite, opened at plus 145, dropped to minus 199, is currently minus 165. So slowly getting thinner, which makes... Sense to me, um, it shouldn't mm-hmm. be a wide odds. It's a, it's a style clash that would classically favor Durayev. Um right. It's just the nuances of it don't. Durayev opened at minus 170, jumped straight up to plus 153. Is currently plus 136. That that wraps us up for the main card. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at these things. I can find Carl on Twitter at boxing bush. However. For those of you subscribing to our Substack, stick around, and we're going to have a little bonus content here with a recap of some of the main card action from last week's UFC event, UFC 286, Edwards versus Usman 3.
0: To access the bonus content of this show, you must be a paid subscriber. To do that, go to bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com And subscribe today. The Bloody Elbow Podcast Network is moving. That's right. We're moving from SoundCloud and YouTube to Substack. It will still be available through your current iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher subscriptions, but the main home of the Bloody Elbow Podcast Network will now be on Substack. While most of our audio content will remain free, we'll be asking listeners to please get a paid subscription to support the shows, which are now ad-free. Please give us your email, and we'll send you notices and summaries of every new episode. Become a paid subscriber and get bonus segments only available to those who've pledged their support. Sign up at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com today.